Welcome to Agent of Wealth Podcast with Mark Boudis from Boudis Financial. In this podcast, Mark helps small business owners and retirees overcome the multiple wealth planning challenges involved in your financial life. We do this by creating comprehensive wealth management plans to guide you towards financial freedom, ensure you never run out of money, and help create a balance in life that prioritizes what is most important to you. Join us for this journey as Mark draws from years of expertise and guest experts to solve the multiple wealth planning issues involved in your financial life. Hello and welcome to the Agent of Wealth with Mark Boudis of Boudis Financial. Today we're doing part two of a two-part series entitled, What Issues Should I Consider Before I Retire? Good morning, Mark. How are you? Good morning, Eric. I'm great. How are you? I'm good. I'm looking forward to part two. There's a lot of information in part one. Can you give us just a, a brief recap of what we covered there? Sure. In part one, which was our last episode, episode 15, we went through uh, we at least a start or first half of a 37-point checklist on issues or areas that someone should consider before they retire. That's right. And those areas in part one were we covered cash flow and health insurance. All right. Yeah. And it took the bulk of the time because there's a lot to cover there. So I know we're going to jump into the day. What are we covering today? So today we're going to look at asset and debt. So your asset allocations or how that how those assets build up your retirement paycheck. We'll look at tax planning and then we'll look at long-term planning. You know, everyone thinks, oh, retirement, I'm going to flip a switch. I'm retiring. I'm done. But retirements nowadays are 20, 30, even 40, you know, potentially 40 years. So yeah. we want to look at the long-term aspects of it as well. That is a very long time and that's a lot to consider. So where do we start today? All right. So first we're going to start with asset and debt. And really the first thing we want to look at is, is your investment objectives or risk tolerance going to change once you retire? Do you see that a lot where somebody enters retirement and then their risk tolerance changes at that moment or is it a transitional thing? I mean, what does that look like? I think a lot of times it's it's emotionally or subconsciously, it definitely does change. And the reason is this is because, you know, we you always hear, okay, we become more conservative, you know, as we get older just by nature, which makes sense. But I think there is something to that, you know, once that uh, switch is flipped and you stop having that paycheck mm-hmm. come in and emotionally, you really become more attuned to the to the market volatility or the fluctuations in the market um, just because you don't have that that crutch anymore of knowing, okay, I still have my paycheck coming in. And, you know, you really look at, okay, my you look at your monthly account statement and you see that volatility. And sometimes emotionally, it's really hard to, to take. Mm-hmm. I had someone come in a couple of weeks ago who just over time they had they had invested great and had built up a large pool of assets, but they were 100% invested in in stocks, and they had recently flipped that switch. And you know while while they were growing that assets, they were they were fine. You know they, they, with the normal markets ups and downs, mm-hmm. and going through 2007, 2008, 2009, but it was different now. And they wanted to know what they could do. You know what made sense for them to do. You know from both what they needed to, you know, what type of risk or, or how aggressive they needed to be. And then also complement that with how aggressive they were able to tolerate emotionally with it. Yeah. I, I would think that my mindset would be, I, I can't replace this anymore. While I'm working, if something happens and the stock market takes a dip, I'm still working. I can kind of replace that by my work. But once you don't have that paycheck coming in, there's nothing to replace that. 
Yeah, especially if you if you see a drop as soon as you retire, because yeah. then it really hits hits hard. You know, if you retire and and you kind of go through, you know, okay, my the assets keep rising, it, you somehow become more emotionally okay with it. But uh, if you experience one right as soon as you retire, it's it's definitely tough to uh, to handle. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so then the next thing we want to look at is if anyone has any stock options, grants, or restricted stock units from their employer. And the reason why this is important, because you want to look at, well, first you want to see what is vested and what's not vested. And vested means you can basically take and do what you want with. Unvested means there's still a period of time before you actually own or have access to to those options or, or restricted stock. And then the second piece is you want to look at what's the tax, the, all three of those different types of, of stock options, grants, restricted stops have different tax implications. So you want to look at how, uh, you know, optimally could you utilize those when you do retire. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next thing is, is we'll, we'll focus a little bit on business owners. And, you know, if you're a business owner, things are, are different than, than if you're just a, you know, regular employee for, for a company. So uh, if you're a business owner, sometimes it, it takes even longer to, to plan that exit strategy or, or succession plan. Yeah, I mean, if I'm retiring and I'm I'm just an employee, you know, it's two week notice and bye. <laughs> you know, I'm out the door. Um, you know, Steve can have my desk. You know, Janet can have my my uh, my computer. I'm done, right? Uh, as a business owner, it's got to be way more complicated. And, and succession plan is a huge topic for business owners. Uh, so, how do you help them specifically? Yeah, so I think one of the things, and and what I've seen a lot is a lot of business owners don't even know how much their business is worth, or is mm. it sellable, or can they sell it? So uh, I actually have a, a really cool software app on my website. If you go to Insights and Business Valuation Advisor, which will actually take some information and value your business. It's a online, takes fifteen to twenty minutes to do, and it you know looks at what type of business, what type of revenues, growth, different types of information about your customer base, and it'll spit out a valuation. Similar to if you ever view, use something like TurboTax, where as you're going through entering the information in, it has like a running tally of this is your your, your tax liability. It's a very similar concept on this uh, valuation tool, which is actually called BizEquity. And what it does is it it values your business in, in real time. So it's it's a really great tool for business owners if they want to see what their business is worth or what they potentially could uh, obtain with, from from selling it. Is that free to use, Mark? It is, yes. So anyone uh, has that ability to actually go on my website and, and start a valuation uh, free of charge. Okay. And website address for us? Boutusfinancial.com. And then on the top, there's a menu item called Insights. Got it. Yeah. And, and here's the thing is, as I know everybody listening to this, if you're a business owner, that is a great, great first step to be able to have something like that, the, a tool that you can use to get a, you know, get a good snapshot. But bottom line is you've got to have the conversation because a lot of businesses run purely on the owner, right? I mean, it's, it's something that um, my business specifically, Mark, uh, I do coaching and consulting for financial advisors and I, I do the podcasting as well. And those are really based on my voice, my experience. So it would be hard for me to sell my business just outright because I'm the the main driver of it, right? So right. I think anybody listening to this understands that there's a lot of moving parts to any business. Please take a look at the tool, take advantage of the fact that it's free and that's that's great. And then make sure you have that follow-up conversation because there's a personal conversation that needs to happen about the ins and outs of how you run your business and, and everything that you do. So I think it's a good start, but definitely have the conversation with Mark. Sorry, I didn't yeah. mean to derail you, bud. Um, where do we go from here? 
Okay, so the the next piece we're going to look at uh, are annuities or illiquid assets, and you need to review them and understand your options on on what you have to or how you can best utilize them. All right. So, what are some of the options someone who owns an annuity has? Okay, so we could probably do a, a whole show just on annuities, the different types of annuities, their options on how to use them. The, but the most common way that I see retirees using them is that they'll take a lump sum of money, hand it over to an insurance company. The insurance company comes back, they look at what that amount of money you you provided, the age, and they make an offer on how much they'll pay you as as part, uh, guaranteed monthly income for the rest of your life. Okay. So. So it's it's basically another way to augment or create that that pension or that that retirement paycheck. Mm-hmm. Now there's there's lots of different options or flavors on how you do that. Um, you know the, you can have the most basic one, which is they'll pay and you know as if as long as you live they'll keep paying you. So if you live ten years, uh, they'll pay you for ten years. If you live another fifty years, they'll pay you for for fifty years. But then you can put on options where there's a, let's say, a cost of living adjustment increase on that monthly income each year, or you want to pay not just until your life, but pay your spouse also. Mm-hmm. And usually what happens is you start out with the most amount uh, of monthly income that the insurance company will provide. And the more options you put on it, it'll lower the amount. But you know, you, you may have different things that you want or need with that monthly payout. Got it. Okay. Uh, next thing we want to look at is if there are any loans on any of your employer retirement plans. So you are allowed to take a loan on a 401k, which is up to 50% of the balance, up to 50000 And if you do have one out uh, or in, in place at the time that, that you do retire or stop working for the company, you, you do, there's, there's a certain amount of time that, that you have until you can pay that back. Do you know how long that is? Yeah, six, 60 days to, to pay it back. And then uh, what happens is if you do not pay it back in that amount of time, it becomes what's considered a distribution and then you have to pay tax on it. Mm, and is there a penalty as well or is that only for under certain ages? Yeah, so that would be under under a certain age. So if you're under 59 and a half, you would pay a 10% penalty. Over 59 and a half, you're, you're just paying the tax. You're gotcha. also paying the tax if you're under 59 and a half as well. Gotcha. So if you're, if you're I don't want to say lucky enough, but if you planned well enough to retire under the age of 59 and a half, you're retiring at 55, you got to make sure you take care of those loans because then there's, you know, you pay the taxes and you pay penalties on it. That's correct. Yeah. You have uh, to consider that as well. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, next is you want to look at, you know, do you have any multiple accounts with a similar tax treatment? And if you do, it may make sense to consolidate some of those accounts to reduce complications or, or for organization purpose. Okay. Are there any other benefits to this besides consolidation? So I, I think the the biggest benefit is is the consolidation in the organization because what it does is it helps you it helps allow you to really understand your investment strategy on it. You know, if you, I've seen, People come in with, you know, 15, 20 different accounts and there's a lot of mm. duplicate, you know, and how they're, you know, you, you do want to obviously separate the accounts based on their tax implications. So you yeah. have your Roth IRA separate, your IRAs, your regular pre-tax IRA separate, any joint or individual accounts that you that you have separate. But um, what I've seen is that you, you have duplicates of all these and it becomes just a mess in terms of keeping track of it. You'll, I'll see people w- which will have accounts at different institutions and mm-hmm. they sometimes lose track of that they have an account at, at this institution or this institution. So I think the biggest benefit is is that organization that you have from it. But um, the you know being able to 
to really get your hands around the investment strategy is, is also another benefit of doing that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, next, you want to look at, are you going to change your residence? So a lot of people, you know, they, they plan and they think, okay, I'm going to retire and I'm going to move to Florida or some somewhere else. But you really want to look at what's the implication of that from a tax perspective, cash flow, your, your, your Medicare Advantage plan may change dependent upon what state you move to. So you really want to, and you know, this all comes back to, you, you, you want to plan as much as, as possible. There's that saying that people plan more for a two-week vacation than they do a retirement. So obviously the more planning you do for retirement, I think the better, you know, visibility and understanding that you'll have in what your decisions uh, ultimately mean. Yeah. If, I mean, if you plan well enough, your retirement can be like a, you know, 30 year vacation, right? <laughs> Something like that. That's true. Look at it like that. that That'd be nice. Yeah. All right. So we're going to, we're going to switch now to the tax planning okay. issues. And the first thing you want to look at is, do you expect to have large required minimum distributions? And I know we've talked about required minimum distributions before on this podcast and in previous podcasts, but can you remind us again what that means? Sure. So as you're, you know, as you're, you're working and you're putting money towards either an, an IRA or a 401k, you're, every year that you put money into that plan, you're getting a tax deduction for the, that contribution that goes, goes in there. And, uh, you know, what happens at a certain period of time, the IRS says, okay, we've given you this tax deduction for long enough. Now it's time for us to start collecting taxes on it. Uh, so this, this is called the required minimum distribution, and it starts at age 70 and a half. So once you hit 70 and a half, there's a, a table that, or a calculation that has to happen where uh, the calculation looks at the value of all your pre-tax retirement accounts, so your 401ks and your, and your IRAs, mm-hmm. and then it looks at your age, and then it spits out a number that says, okay, for this year, the year that you are 70 and a half, you have to withdraw X amount from your, from your retirement accounts. And what ultimately that means is that, that money that comes out shows up as ordinary income, and you have to pay tax on it. Yeah, I know we've, like I said, we've talked about this before, but I can't remember. Is there anything that can be done to minimize having to take the RMDs? The answer is yes and no. So ultimately, the IRS is going to collect taxes on that, on those, those IRAs and, and 401ks. Mm-hmm. But one thing that can be done or looked at at least is, can I preempt it by converting any of those IRAs or 401ks into Roths? And really what that means is you're going to pay the tax now. So let's say someone is 55 and they're looking at their IRAs and they, you know, they have a large sum of money in them and they determine, okay, I'm going to take a portion of that and I'm going to convert it to a Roth every year. And what that means is you know, you're, you, any amount that you convert to a Roth, you're going to pay tax on in the year that you convert it, but you have to look at a couple of factors to determine whether it makes sense or not. And one of them is what's the tax rate that I'm gonna that the money that I convert will I have to pay on? And right now we're we're in a relatively, if you look historically, low tax environment. So it may make sense. You also want to look at what your income is going to be in a particular in, in that particular year that you're going to convert. Mm-hmm. So going back to the business owner, a lot of times this makes sense because their income varies sometimes year to year. And they may look at a year that they don't have as much income and convert, you know, and with that, without having that large amount of income, they may be in a lower tax bracket, making that Roth conversion make more sense in that in that year. So gotcha. it's a, it's a strategy. 
that someone can use to, to look at and, and kind of how to plan and any money that goes. And I guess why this makes sense is any money in a Roth, the tax has already been paid. So there is no required minimum distribution on it. You can take them once you hit 59 and a half, you can take the money out um, whenever you want without having to pay tax on it. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Next, we're going to talk about long-term planning issues. So one of the things that, that uh, you should consider is, are you charitably inclined? And if so, look at the charitable giving strategies to which could help potentially reduce your tax burden. Got it. Because since you're not contributing to a retirement plan, this makes a lot of sense because you, you're going to lose the ability to get a tax deduction from it, from contributing to a retirement plan. So this kind of replaces that? Exactly. So, and I wouldn't say replaces it, but it's, you know, you want to look at, okay, where, where are all my opportunities to reduce my, my tax liability? And, uh, you know, retirement plans are great. One of the best, best um, options out there. But when you, when you stop working, you're, you're going to lose that ability. So uh, the charitable contributions are another, another area to look at. Gotcha. All right. Uh, next thing you want to look at is your estate plan, and you know you want to see if it's outdated or if it needs to be updated. And I, you know, I'll, I'll often, you know, categorize, uh, you know, someone's financial life into the three phases: your, you know, your accumulation phase where you're working, you're growing your assets, you're retire, you're in the second phase, your retirement phase where you're, where you're uh, utilizing those assets to to build a paycheck, and then the third phase, which is that estate phase where what happens to your assets when you when you pass away and you know really having your estate plan in place is something that you should also do you know before you hit that phase so the mm-hmm. earlier you do that as well makes sense and you know things change so it's something you want to look at got it uh, you you know with that you want to look at do I need to update the beneficiaries on any of your accounts and you know part of that and when I say accounts it's it's really it could be anything. It could be your retirement accounts, your asset, you know, your bank accounts, and you know, it's just they could be out of date and and in, in need of being updated. Yeah, but that that's not something that just retirees need to be looking at. That's that's everybody, right? Because it should be looked at every year, I would think, year to two years, because things just change. Life happens, right? Agreed. Thing things change, and you know, your estate plan should change with that. There are a lot of stories out there of people never updating beneficiaries and, you know, money going to someone who it wasn't intended to Mm -hmm. to go to. So uh, especially on, if you look at like a retirement plan, like an IRA, uh, the beneficiary um, form, whoever's listed as the beneficiary on that trumps pretty much everything. Meaning that, you know, even if it goes through probate, whatever's listed on that form is where the money's going. So you want to take, you know, precaution and just make sure that it goes to where you, you want it to go. Yeah, absolutely. Is there anything else that really should be considered in this, in this topic specifically? Yeah, I think a, a couple of things you want to, you know, you want to look at, you know, as you retire, you want to look at kind of, you know, implications of, of that retirement. Do you have any unused vacation days? Is there any bonuses that you're entitled to if you hold off a certain period of time before mm. you retire? And then you also want to look at any state specific issues that, you know, you whether you're planning to move or not move, you want to understand that, you know, the, in your current situation, the state that you're in, what is, you know, are there any unique tax situations or uh, state tax implications or income tax implications that you'll be subject to or vice versa? If you're planning to move, what's the implication of, of that move and how does that impact that same? And a lot of these, you know, come down on the tax side. 
Yeah. And I would, I would think that uh, another consideration, you, you've talked a lot about Social Security in previous podcasts and when to take it and how to take it, so on and so forth. I would think that that'd be something to consider if you really enjoy your work and you're saying, you know what, 65 is the, you know, the year that everybody retires. But at the same time, you can say, okay, if I actually work another year or two beyond that, I can hold off on taking my Social Security because I know that you you told us that every year you wait to take it, there's an added percentage, right? Something like that. Yeah. So you're you're basically going to get an eight eight percent increase for every year that you that you wait. But it's actually even even better than that because what happens is usually our highest earning income years are as we get older into mm-hmm. those, you know, late fifties, late sixties. So not only will we get the benefit of waiting and getting that increase in uh, monthly income from social security, but it's also probably going to improve our earnings record, which is the way social security calculates how much they're going to pay us. They look at our earnings history over our career. And if we're adding extra years at, at a high income level, it will just up that average and even increase the amount that we receive more than you know if we retired earlier. Gotcha. What does they take the top thirty five years or thirty years or something? It, it is, yeah, top thirty five. Top, top 35. 35. Yeah. So, I mean, if you could replace one of the years that you were a paper boy for, you know, yeah. and, uh, you know, replace it when you're the CEO, that's a, that's a huge difference in the salary that you made one year compared to the other. And, and that might actually allow you to get that bumped up, you know, social security, if you can wait an extra one or two years to take that, that's great. Yeah, exactly. And you, and you, you see that a lot with spouses that have may, may have stayed home for a, a number of years to oh, yeah. raise kids where yeah. they're actually having zeros in the, in their average and, you know, replacing a zero with, with a high income earning year is, it will definitely make a big difference. Yeah, so there, there are a lot of uh, planning strategies with social security. Yeah. Great, 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 great. All right. What else do we need to cover today? I think that's pretty much it. I know, you know, we, we broke this up into two podcasts and, you know, it seems pretty, straightforward. Okay. There's, you know, it's a, I called it a 37 point checklist and you think, okay, I'll just, you know, go through the 37 point checklist pretty quick and figure out if I should retire or can retire. But there are a lot of nuances with each of these Mm -hmm. issues that really takes time to go through and see how each one impacts you specifically. So, you know, my recommendation is always to go through, you know, spend as much time planning as, as you can, or as, as makes sense. And, you know, take your, take your time doing it and, and figure out what's the right decision on, on how to retire. It's a, it's a big decision. So you want to, you know, you want to spend your time and make sure you're, you're optimizing it. Yeah, absolutely. And if any of the information today has piqued a question in people's minds, how do they reach out to you? So you can, you can, uh, easiest ways, if you go to my website, boutusfinancial.com, top right hand corner, there's a link to schedule a complimentary call with me and, um, yeah, I'd be happy to talk and, and see what you're looking to do. Fantastic. Thank you, Mark, for your time. I appreciate it. Thanks, Eric. All right. And thank you all for listening to the Agent of Wealth podcast with Mark Baudis. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Mark comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family. And think right now, who do you know that's going to be approaching retirement in the next five to 10 years that really needs to get on the ball about making sure they have everything, all their ducks in a row, T's crossed, I's dotted, all those, all those analogies. Share this with them, would you? Because I know that they'll appreciate it. And again, thank you for listening today. For everyone about us financial, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Agent of Wealth podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. 
The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Boutis Financial. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment and financial planning.